Hi everybody, I'm Stefan Koritar and welcome to the Tech Talk Show. This is the podcast where you can discover insights and valuable information about how entrepreneurs build their startup in the tech industry. A collection of open talks about technology and creativity, people, experiences and life around tech business ecosystems. Everything with the main goal to help you get inspired, get started, dream big and build amazing businesses. This episode is hosted by Valentin Meyer. Valentin is the CEO of TechMatch, a company that connects clients with vetted software experts, individual consultants and full project teams from Eastern Europe. Valentin is passionate about helping people grow themselves and their businesses by using his life, tech and business expertise. A software developer for over 10 years, manager and business developer with great communication and sales skills. He helps entrepreneurs reach higher levels. He is interviewing Alexandru Dorin Bogdan and Katalin Briciu. Alexandru and Katalin are co-founders at Linify. At Linify, they say that it is the place where new ideas grow and shape the future for the better, simplifying life through innovation each day. Enjoy the conversation and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Okay, so guys, let's kick it off with uh, some words about you as individuals, and then we're gonna jump to the company and talk more about the team and the client and the projects and the clients and everything. Okay, so uh, Alex, maybe you can start and tell us a little bit about uh, your bio. Your let's start with your childhood. How was your environment that you grew in? I grew in a family where everybody uh, was involved in real science sciences. Uh, they did, they were all engineers, doctors, and besides that, they were putting a lot of accent on having a balanced lifestyle in which you are also doing some physical activity while also training your brain, mentally and corporate And because of that, I became a very comp- competitive and ambitious person because this is what sports are driving you to become. And I was having a very high interest in, in physics and then I migrated towards computer science because my father was also working in the, in the area. And step by step I became more interested and more interested and at some point I said, okay, let's try to build something in this area. Let's try to build something that's going to change people's lives. Always in my, in my opinion, I felt that computer science is the thing where you can change not one person's life, not 100 people's life, but everybody's people's life to an innovation. And this is what got me hooked to computer science, and this is how we got to the point where we started. Cool, that's cool. What about you, Katalin? Okay, so when I was young, I grew up in an entrepreneurial environment. My parents were entrepreneurs for very early on. They would wake up at 5 in the morning and go, go to work, Monday through Saturday. Even I got very little chances to see them, and uh, I think that's that's something that made a real big impact on myself and on how I viewed the world. Uh, for example, I could never see me as an employee. I could I could never see me working for someone else, and I think it's because of them. And also, I was always pushed to do better, like even in school, uh, English, physics, uh, maths. All, all things like that. So I think my parents were, were the most uh, important thing in uh, influencing who I am today. Your childhood. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's let's talk about your hobbies during your childhood. What you said about sports. What else? Mm, I because I was doing judo professionally. <coughs> I was in the national team. Judo took almost all my entire time. But besides that, I like playing games a lot on the computer. So I was, what you can say, a gamer in the beginning, but then I had to shift more towards sport because you cannot stay up till late and play on the computer and then wake up in the morning and go to a training. But I, I always like playing games, watching science fiction movies, reading science fiction books, and doing judo besides that. National team, that's impressive. Okay. Yeah, I, I think pretty much the same. I love sports. I, I did swimming for four years, then I did basketball for eight years, always had sports in my life and it it always kept me pushing myself in whatever I did. And yeah, just like Alex, I had some periods in which I was playing games a lot. 
think everybody, everybody did. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, <coughs> fast, fast forward. Um, what are your hobbies now? Mm, I would say they have not changed that much, but I don't have enough time to put towards doing, for example, judo as I did early on. I'm doing it maybe once or twice a month when I'm getting with uh, I'm getting together with my father and my brother. And I like to watch TV series a lot and science fiction TV series because I feel that when you're watching a TV series, it's like you're watching a life on fast forward. So you can, if you're empathetic enough, you can live what that person is living into the TV series and then based on their experiences, you can understand better some situations in real life because those guys are good actors and they are trying to mimic real expression. So if you're watching this, a lot of time you can have some, I would say, some revelations in some points when you're discussing with your customers or clients or people and try to better assess the situation. Well, I still love basketball. I try to, to play as much as possible. I love reading, which I didn't when I was younger, I don't know why. But right now I love reading about other people's experiences, personal development, but also read about the world, like understanding how it all functions. Because I think it's essential if you want to create something new to understand what it's already there. Yeah, and I also, for the past three or four years, have been meditating, and that's made a huge impact on, on my life. Like I, I can keep calm at all times, I can see more clearly, and I would recommend everyone, if possible, to do that as well. Okay, you practically started answering to my question. Next one, which was what books are you reading and what do you recommend? What books are the book that influenced me the most was how to get how to get influential people, I believe. I don't actually remember the name, it's by Dale Carnegie and I read it three times. I believe it's a very good book and mostly because it tells you that at the end of the book, you have a couple of pages, blank pages, where you can take notes and write out situations from your life and how you manage them. And if you do that, if you're taking a, book, a notebook and you're taking those notes every time you're in a complicated situation and put there what do you think is going to be the outcome, it makes, it makes you better understand yourself and how you, what are your strong points and what are your weak points and how you can improve yourself. I mean, that book changed my life. We got, we, we got it as a gift when we finished uh, our high school, so it was the best book I read. And besides that, I'm, I like to read science fiction books, but as I said, I don't have that much time now. And personal development books, financial books, anything that can help me better understand what's going on and how we can improve and innovate the world. Kazalin. Okay, what I would recommend is Thinking Grow Rich. I think I've read it five times, just whenever I need some uh, inspiration or just energy from inside some motivation, I just read it and just get back into the loop. Uh, right now I'm reading uh, Stephen Hawking, A Brief History of Time, just to understand how, how this universe works. And also The Ultimate Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it's a very good sci-fi book and it's a lot of fun, it, it combines comedy with deep questions, something I would recommend. Okay, that's interesting. Um, let's move forward to a more, um, let's say, harder questions. What do you think, what do you know actually, that are your strength points as individuals? I think one of my strongest points is that I'm always open to new ideas, so I'm not judging anybody, I'm open to how people are, how they are truly, how they truly are inside and I can have a conversation and I can understand what they are saying and also being, I would say, dynamic, being able to go into short periods of times with putting a lot of effort into short periods of times, like making some sprints, sprinting and that's a big advantage and also disadvantage because sometimes that when you're doing those short sprints, short, short bursts, it, it affects your constant uh, workload every day. Okay. So, yeah, well, a strength uh, point. Okay, so I, I can think right now of three strength points. <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, it would be perseverance, 
if I put my mind to something, I'm not gonna stop until I know that I can't do anything more. Uh, it will also be my ability to empathize with others, which helps me in understanding situations and how I can put myself in their shoes. And also, it would be hmm, creativity. And creativity, I, I can always come up with something new by combining different fields and that's what always helped me in keeping myself uh, active from a, uh, how do you say, cognitive point of view. Yeah. Okay, that, that, these are some really strong uh, points that you can build on. So let's move forward and uh, let's talk about, I wanted to think about an accomplishment that you uh, had, each of you as individuals. What would that be? I would take something outside what we did with Linify and it would be in the sports area. And that is, uh, I was the fifth place in the European Championship, but was, that was not the biggest achievement I felt I, uh, I had. And it was actually when I moved with an Erasmus scholarship into Ireland. And I, was, I dropped off judo for one year and I started doing judo again there and I won their national senior championships in two different categories and I was the first, the first person studying at that university that, uh, that earned that title and I jump started their entire culture into judo and I still getting messages from the coaches there wishing me happy birthday, happy new year so I felt that was the big, my biggest achievement in sports and, because, and it is because I started a movement into that university to be more focused on, the, on judo and grew the, grew the culture there. That's impressive. Yeah, it's going to be hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, for me, like, besides Venify, I think it would be the fact that I, I went through two faculties at the same time, economics and law. Uh, two master's degrees that helped me input international law and international business, exactly what I want to do now. And the fact that I got into the bar in uh, Romania, that as well. I think that would be that's impressive. That's impressive. Okay. Um, trick question before moving on to your uh, field of expertise. If you were to consider not being able to do what you do right now, what would, what other profession would you attend? Would you consider? I always thought about being a marriage counselor. I think it, I know it's funny, but I like listening to people's stories. I like listening how they are feeling and trying to help them in some way. And another one would be being an astronaut. And discover space. I believe that lots of us have the, that the job as a preferred one. So yeah, I think I would love being a music producer. That's what I've, I've always said to myself that I want to take one year of my time just to to understand how I can produce music, not necessarily to sell or something, just for myself, so I can understand how it works and maybe make something creative for me and my friends. That's something that I would really want to do. Okay. I wonder if you ever thought about this before, like seriously, man. Everything has a start. Uh, okay, so let's let's go now towards your company, and let's see how did you guys get started. And yeah, from now on you can switch roles. You know, maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was I was studying at a different university. And there I met four other people and we were always talking about opening a company. We were calling it the future at that time. And we were in second, second year in the university. We talked about that for a couple of months, but nothing, nothing started. And then at some point, I remember talking to Rosvan about this or Rosvan called me. I have no idea how everything happened because it's a bit blurry. And then Kathleen was uh, my friend and was Rosvan, Rosvan uh, apartment flatmate yeah. and we said okay let's just let's let's start a company but we had no idea what we want to do so then we just started writing all of our ideas on a piece of paper and trying to choose which one is the best we wanted to have a startup and not in the beginning and we did not thought about opening an outsourcing company or a product company and yeah we, we first started with deliver me the 
our first startup, uh, which was delivering groceries in Cluj. You know, we were the first ones to do to do this through an online platform where you could pick up exactly what you want to get delivered to your house. And uh, yeah, basically I was flatmate with Rosvan for three years up until the point. And we lived together for four years and we were always meeting with Alex. We were good friends. We were actually friends from high school. So we, we always had that entrepreneurial mindset in ourselves. And when we founded the company, I know it, it took us a lot of time to, to be clear on what name we shall use. Yeah, Linify. And it actually came up from combining our uh, objectives, right? simplifying, simplifying life, and simplifying life through innovation. And by using those words, we got up to Linify. Okay, that's an interesting story. Um, I jumped one question, but I don't want to jump in because you, you saw the video before. Yeah. Name each of you one thing that people wouldn't say about you, but it's true. A weird one, but not a very weird one. <laughs> Tough question, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm very open. Usually, people know things about me. <laughs> I'm thinking about something. People wouldn't say about you, but it's true. Might just be the diff most difficult question of the interview. Well, I think, I think it is. <laughs> Alex, you got one? Uh, I got one. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I mean, people know it. I mean, some other people that I'm not that close to don't know it. I'm, I like uh, um, toys a lot. And I mean, every type of toy. So I remember when, from when I was little, I liked to play with little soldiers. And even now I like the, but the fluffy things that you can have in your apartment because also my girlfriend loves them and I'm always buying her some wherever I'm growing. So a small bear, a small wolf, a small, a small uh, animal and we have them around the house and actually they're super cute so yeah okay <laughs> be honest I think I'm cute the fact that I love dogs I mean not just that I love them I, I, <laughs> I like to just hug them and maybe that's you know, although people like they I think they could see me for a dog person you know okay yeah so you have a special love for dogs and like yeah yeah, yeah. hug like, them yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that's good to know. Okay. Let's move forward. Okay. Uh, so let's let's go towards your company, and I know you've got you guys invested a lot in this, um, and I'd like us to talk about your culture and. Um, let's start with this. What best describes your work environment? I would say it's based on our our values. So our entire our entire environment was based on on authenticity, unity, and vision. And everybody has to be authentic. Together, united, we can build amazing things. And united, we have a vision that we can put out into the world. And based on this, is I would say it's communication because all this together they envision uh, an environment in which people can be open, can be can communicate with one another and they are self-aware about they, what they can do because I, I think the, a very efficient team, in a very efficient team, everybody needs to know their strengths, their weaknesses and because everybody's open, they can work together on building a great product. Yeah, basically you can always say, say what's on your mind and we always uh, tell people to say what's on their mind. It's not like an option. It's you should you should be open with everybody because that's the way we can progress in a united team in a very good uh, environment. And regarding our values, I think we spent like three days, like nonstop, on thinking about them and being one hundred percent sure that they are aligned to what we would truly feel. And I think it started with like with all of us like from the founders and to the people that came after and after they all shared out our values we were always telling ourselves which we, which one are your values authenticity unity and vision we were always our, ourselves that's what i liked about alex that's what i liked about Razvan, that they wouldn't be they weren't fake at all that's the most important thing we were always united like whatever times we might have passed through we always uh, stuck together 
and we always had a vision. We were always envisioned how would all of this be in like 10 years, in like 20 years. And that's what helped us achieve and push us forward. So what would you say uh, are your strength points, but this time as a team? We are all sticking together, so when we have to deliver something, we are all pushing together. This, this comes also from our values, it's unity, it's we together are building a product, so nobody backs down and says, I, I cannot do this, I'm, I don't know. If we have to deliver something, everybody brings everything they have to the table and they start to build that great thing we are working on. I think that's the, the biggest advantage, because I don't believe a product is built by one person. I think it's built by a team, but the team can be one. I think creativity is one of them. And it's because we are letting people to be authentic and they can just, in, in each department, I, I see creativity in our team. I think that's one of the most, uh, of the greatest assets that we have, creativity. Okay, okay. Uh, what if we were to go on the other side, what would be two weak points that you are aware of and what are you planning to do about them in the near future? Yeah, we talked about them a lot last year and even this year. It's structure and planning and I think it's normal given the fact that we are still a young company to, to have these issues, but we are tackling right now. We've been putting up processes in each department structuring responsibilities and how everything is working inside our company. Uh, I think outside help, do we working with outside help consultancy? And yes, we are working with an amazing company, it's called TechMatch. They are helping us in putting these processes into place. And I, I would like to add something towards what uh, Kathleen said before. I believe also the issues in structures are coming up from a place where we are, it is because we are very enthusiastic, we want to do so much things, so many things, we are, we are very dynamic, we are very hyped, and sometimes because you are very hyped, you try, you, you tend to skip some steps, and this is why we are trying now to put these processes into place, to get, keep, keep everything more constant, more fluent, to have constant, a constant progress. Okay, uh, we said two weak points, you mentioned one. one. Okay, one of the the fact that in my opinion maybe sometimes we are we are too engaged in our work. It's a good thing as well, but I think we should also give ourselves and our whole team time to develop themselves, time to do fun things, time to I don't know read something, learn something new, because it's in the last period of time, I think we've all been just working and pushing it, and I think it's good, but we should also give ourselves and give our team our team time to develop themselves. Mm. Yeah. Okay, um, I know you've invested a lot of energy and it's now you can see the results in your work environment and now I mean specifically the physical environment, the office, okay? Why was that important for you guys? It is very important for us, for everybody that's working at this company to feel here as they are home, to feel this as their home, to feel that they are here together with their friends. And I believe that people should feel comfortable. There's one interesting thing in our office, everybody has to take off their shoes when they're entering the office. And that is because it gives a more pleasant feeling being in your, in your slippers or walking in your socks. And also having beds downstairs where people can go and take a power nap for 20 minutes, I believe. What we try to do is take a bit of the American, American type of, uh, of environment, the startup culture, and take it here into our company. Having the startup mindset when working on products and having everybody feel as their home. Being able to go read, take a nap. Yeah. So how do you, how do you guys feel when you moved in the office? Oh, it was a really interesting process because we were very eager to move here and it was still in construction. So when we first moved, actually the, the, only the first two floors were available and people were still working downstairs. But we wanted to move so much here, so we actually did it. And it was some really interesting uh, weeks then. Yeah. 
Okay, okay. So they were, they were still working in the basement, but you guys were okay. Yeah. Understand. And we were very happy because in our last uh, our last office, it was it was very small, and we yeah. grew up so fast, and we actually got to the up to a point where in the last month we were. 25 people in 100 square meters, I think yeah. something like that, it was very crowded. Yeah, it was it was really hard to work actually because it was a little bit chaos there. <laughs> but it was great when we moved here. Okay, um, you mentioned about your, uh, your employees, your colleagues, um, you, that you would like to invest in them. Do you encourage them? Uh, to think as entrepreneurs, do you encourage them um, if they decide, for example, to build a business? What's your approach? Yeah, yeah. Like actually, we we have examples within our company that they are also entrepreneurs, and we we try to help them as much as we can through our experience and help them succeed. Because our our, our goal isn't to to create only a unified company. Our goal is to make everyone within our company be able to achieve their dreams. Okay. That's that's what we want to do. And if their authentic self is being an entrepreneur, then that's what we want to be more of a supplier. We want yeah. to be able to help them achieve their dreams. And this is how we how we see everybody that's working here. We see them as one of our friends, and we want to help them achieve their dreams, whatever they may be. Their, they may be. And we have seen other companies uh, doing this. We've seen Google allowing people to work on their own ideas. We, this is how Gmail started. We have seen Atlassian doing the same thing and we are trying to move towards a, a culture in which people can invest their time into their own ideas and they, the only advantage of us being there is that they can push that a bit faster into the real world. So you're practically creating a framework for them to scale up much faster yes. and you're providing also resources and experience and everything else. That's, that's very nice. Um, in a different registry, what is your relationship with your business competitors? How do you act or react uh, to what they say or do? I, I would say we have a pretty good relationship with most of the competi yeah. global competitors. We collaborated with a big variety of them, with lots of them. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think everybody has a different uh, strategy, different processes, but if you are open and you're always sharing your the things that are going good or the things that are not going that good or well, I believe it's good and it opens you up to to a place in which you can work together with people. I mean, this is because we were open with them about the good and the bad stuff. I I, I feel like we always we were always transparent with them. Yeah, because you're part of an ecosystem. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and we are also trying right now to build up something new like with, with companies similar to us to our culture and to our size and create some kind of conglomerate which can compete with the bigger players and just attract projects that interest us just help each other into growing because we are like we're medium size not even a medium size we're a small company right now and we need to, to come together with others similar to us so we can compete with the bigger players Okay, okay, that's definitely very interesting. Um, how does a typical day look for you as a team? Let's go through it, Derek. As a team, everybody, everybody in our company has dailies. They, we are waking up. I, I know I'm speaking in the name of everybody, but I, this is what usually happens. In all of our department, departments, we are following some processes and we are having dailies where everybody speaks their mind says the things that are going well, the things that are not going that well, what blocks them, what they did yesterday, what they want to do later on. And this helps disseminate the, the knowledge into the entire team. And by having these constant meetings and putting, the, putting accent on the communication, we are always aware about what's happening. And everybody gets to, to working. And we, we have lunch, mainly the lunch is together, usually at one or two people are going having lunch together, ordering food and we're having different types of activities in some evenings. Yeah, during this period when the coronavirus crisis it's changed a little but I, I'm going to shortly tell you how it was before and how it is now. 
So before we would get together like at 9, 10 a.m. Everybody would have a coffee together, just talk a little bit. Uh, then everybody, like I said, most of the of the team members would have, would have dailies, get on with work, maybe eat something at lunch, and then get on with work again, maybe play some games, relax a little. But right now with the coronavirus crisis, we, we've adapted. We have at, at 8 a.m. yoga classes and exercise classes for video conferences. Alex is Alex with Karina, uh, our team member. They are doing the yoga classes. Yeah. And um, yeah, another of our colleagues is doing the other. The exercise. And he's, he's not a certified personal trainer, but he does his best. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's interesting. Okay, guys, so uh, I'd like us to talk about uh, the clients, right? And let's see, where do your clients come from? Okay, maybe you can start first. Our first client uh, came from Germany. It was a very spontaneous, I would say, pretty funny story. I was like long, long, long chain of, I know that person, that person knew that person, that person knew that person, so how we got into contact and we started we started working with him and then from there everything, I would say everything. Like it started like a small, like a small uh, snowball that just rose on, on a hill and started, it started to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and people started to hear about, to hear about us and we got some recommendation. Yeah, we did a good job for him and then he recommended this to someone else and the other person recommended this to someone else and just on and off. Chain of recommendations. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so basically most of our clients come from Germany and from the US. Yeah, from Germany mostly insurances. Uh, yes, we are mostly involved in the insurances in the insurance se sector, yeah. and we also besides besides recommendation and discussing with clients uh, face to face or into already. Uh, set up meetings with a uh, third party that may put us in contact with our our own uh, our own acquisitions to different uh, different mediums like Upwork for example one of our first clients from America came from Upwork and we worked on that project for around one, one year one year and a half one year and a half and it also helped us understand a bit more about how different cultures are working how is the culture in America how yeah. is the culture in Germany. It really helped us mature, like on a professional level. We had a lot to learn from all of them, like how we should tackle client relationship, how we should uh, present information, how we should position ourselves in negotiations. So everything really helped us. Okay, so the culture difference. Um, on a more, let's say, personal level, uh, if I if I may put it like this, how do you and your team feel when signing the new client? Very happy. Excitement. Yeah. Like that's the word for it. Excitement about creating something new. Yes. Hi. A lot of hype. Yeah. Okay. Um, and do you have a favorite project we worked on and why is why would you choose that? For me, like right now we are uh, developing a, an application mobile mobile app that helps people better their themselves and their lives through different things like meditation, uh, breathing exercises, ex exercises, yoga. It basically tells someone how they should structure their, their day and what they should do to balance all key aspects of their life. Like the mind part, the body part, and the relationship part of their life with other people. That's uh, a project that I personally love because I love how I balance my life between meditation, between sports, between engaging with people, and I feel like it's very connected to what I do actually every day. Uh, for myself, I am very involved right now in a project in the insurance in the insurance area, and what made me be very interested in this project is the fact that currently there, it is so hard to for an average an average person to understand this area, the insurance area, and to keep track of everything, especially for example in Eastern Europe, because this market is a bit more evolved into Germany, Switzerland, Austria, and 
I became very interested into this because I was looking forward to find a way in which we can create an easier environment in which people can understand better their issuances and move that into, into other markets such as Romania, for example, or other Eastern European countries. And um, if we were to talk about the avatar of your ideal customer, ideal client, what would that be? Can you describe that? Yeah, I think the most important thing is that they have a similar mindset to ours, so we can be on the same page regarding everything. How the product should be built, how we should uh, approach the, the issue and the solution, that's the most important thing. So they should believe in authenticity, unity and uh, vision. Uh, Alex, if you... I would say they, they want to change their, the domain they are working in. They are trying to get a product that makes a difference. They're trying to change people's lives, they want to simplify their lives through innovation and they're enthusiastic, energetic, they give a good hype when we are working with them, a good vibe. So, as, as Kathleen said before, I think that's the most important thing. So, for us to feel that they are in the same mindset with us, that's our ideal client. It's someone that wants to change the world. What about culture? Where would that ideal client need to come from? You said Germany, US, which one would you prefer and why? In my opinion, I, I would say the US only because I'm more in touch with that culture from early on, from when I was little. That's what I've been exposed to mostly, American culture. And I don't know, and those, uh, those areas like Silicon Valley, uh, New York, uh, there are the places where companies that we uh, want to be like, actually are like Google, Facebook, Apple. So yeah, that's, that's what I think. I, I agree, I agree with you here. What about the industry? We love, we would, we love the biotech industry. We love what's going on in that area. We love the, the developments and the new, the new, um, the new researches that are done in the area and because of that and because of because of biotech being a very hard to entry domain, we starting started being involved into wellness and medtech that's not that uh, doesn't cover that much the hardware part and only focuses on the software that is not considered a, a medical device in the beginning. Yeah, I agree like uh, Envision in 10 years from now, I think that's the domain in which we would be biotech. But right now, we're trying to get into uh, how do I say, like early domains that can get us there, like wellness, uh, healthcare, but on providing solutions that don't need so many, so much domain knowledge, because right now we aren't able to do that. And if we were to talk about, uh, if you were to choose a specific uh, client, um, how do you help them? And what challenges do you help them overcome, and how maybe? Okay, we are working them through the through the entire process. They came up with an idea. We are trying to help them understand how they can do their research in order to find out if their idea is viable. And we believe we do that in a correct uh, in a correct sequence because we also had our own startups that we tried it upon and we saw what the mistakes are, what you can do. At an inappropriate time, and even though business is different for everybody, there are still some points that you need to cover. So this is the first part where we are taking them to understand. We are, we are walking them through the market to understand the customers, to understand who are their user personas, their ideal customers, and then we start moving on towards wireframes, trying to make them understand how is the what is the flow that the customer will have through the application? I think Kathleen is better. We guide them through the whole process of creating a software product, like from initial research to branding, which in my opinion is essential on today's market. Uh, we help them understand design, why usability is a very important thing. Uh, we develop, we test, and then we help them achieve market uh, validation as well. Okay, and so basically the most important thing in my opinion is helping them understand what they're trying to do and how we can be on their side. So, like building on what you just said, yeah. what 
um, should a client expect when they approach you for a quote, quote or for a project? They should not expect an initial quote unless they have all the requirements uh, drafted. And even even then, I still believe that there has to be some kind of conversation, some kind of conversation in which we understand better what is the purpose of its, his product, what does he want to build, and what does how does he want to do it. Once we understand that, we can prepare a quote and explain to him what is our process and how. What are our responsibilities, responsibilities and his? So how does he have to be involved in this process? And if we get everything, we agree on everything in these areas, then we continue, we have a quote and then we can start working together. But first is a, is a setup in which we have to understand if we match with one another, if our mindsets, our processes can be mapped. Yeah, because it's just like a relationship. You, you need to be on the same mindset and you need to understand each other. If not, it's going to be a bad relationship. Okay. Uh, based on your past experiences, uh, what would you, what would be, let's say, failure or successes and what you've learned from it? Let's, uh, let's, let's go for two lessons. Okay. I remember one when I was pressured in a meeting to give a, a quote in one of the first meetings and because we just started I just said said a number and I thought it was a big number at that moment and actually after we finished the project I realized that it was three or four times more expensive than that but it was one of the biggest quotes I've given until then and then because I did not do walk through the entire process I missed some some hidden details, some hidden complexity. Okay, so I'm curious if you're if you're talking here about uh, uh, situations with clients in the outsourcing domain or what we've learned also from our startups. That's another question. Okay, okay, just to be sure. Yeah. Well, uh, what I've also learned from a success perspective is that the most important thing when uh, approaching a new client or when he's approaching you is to really try to understand, not just trying to get the money, no, just get to understand what he dreams of uh, realizing, what he dreams of building, and trying to, to be on his side. Uh, just, just put yourself in his shoes and go through the whole process. Don't just speed it up so you can get the money inside the country. No, understand what he wants and be able to provide him with that. Yes, taking your time is very important in the, in the beginning. So it's, yeah. there's no rush anywhere. If everything is set, in the right way is going to be faster than if you speed forward the first part and then you, you get tangled up in different uh, issues along the, along the way. So, Okay, um, let's talk about startups, products, startups and I want you guys to tell me about some of the stop products that you've launched, the startup experience that you have and we're going to build on that. Okay, the, yeah, we, we can start with the first one, Deliver Me. Yeah, we launched it in the summer of 2017. It was the first of its kind on uh, the Cluj market here locally. And basically what we did, we developed um, an on-demand uh, grocery platform on which people could just make their grocery shop. Yeah. So what we did, we crawled uh, a website you crawled the website? Yeah, we crawled the website and got all the offers and uh, we will do the deliveries. So basically it was uh, challenging because we needed to, to take all the parts into consideration, the branding side, the marketing side, even the logistical side because we were the one who would go into the uh, supermarket, made all the shopping and deliver it to our customers. So what we've learned from that was that you need to have at least one person who is very experienced in that domain in order to be successful. That's what we lack. Uh, we also learned how to tackle partnerships or uh, talks with uh, supermarkets, with businesses. We also learned a lot about client relationship because we also did customer care. <laughs> so yeah, we did a lot of everything. Uh, regarding the technical side, um, maybe uh, Alex can tell me more, but it was pretty, it wasn't some rocket science there, it was more about the business. Yeah, I would say it was pretty straightforward. We did not get into 
having very specific or complex algorithms for the for the startup, and that is because we got to the point in which we realized that the if we are not going to get, and we did not get uh, a partner, a very big partner that would support us with experience in the logistics and operational area, we have to stop it for the moment. And then we draw the line before we got to the point in which we would get to the more interesting technical parts like optimizing routes mm -hmm. and, and that. And I would like to say about our second startup that we mm -hmm. are relaunching right now. Uh, in the next month and we started that just after we stopped delivery it's called Notifier and it's a platform that's aggregating adverts from multiple websites a user goes in the platform places a search and finds out the best deals what I mean by the best deals is that once a post is made on any of the websites that we are gathering information from the user is notified in less than a minute while doing this, the user is always engaged and he doesn't have to go and search every time, just scrolling and refreshing the, the web page where he is looking for products. This is more oriented towards the second second-hand items, but also for new ones. When we started, we launched it without having a financial plan very well put in place, and that was one mistake. But we got the advantage that we were with this project product at at a national television channel and uh, we got a lot of traction in the beginning we had a couple thousand users but then because we had no financial plan we had to stop it and we are relaunching now better and I would say on like relaunching the product on steroids it's more faster it's better it's looking better it feels a lot more nicer and we are easier to use, easier to use so get straight to the point yeah yeah if you're interested, just go and download it. So you'll find it on iOS and Android, it's called Notifier. Uh, based on your experience uh, and what you've learned from your from building your own products, um, how are you currently helping the startup ecosystem? And I mean national, but also international. Uh, with our first startup, we were involved into, into and I would say, incubation environment called uh, Innovation Labs and that helped us a lot in finding out what every area from what every area from business means and I'm talking about the customer development part, the marketing research, the market research, the financial part, also the communication, the in-team communication development and we gave back, we are giving back towards those programs and to other programs. This year we were even sponsors at Innovation Lab and every time we have a chance of giving a presentation or discussing about how you can build a product, we are very happy to take those on. Yeah. And when you think about startups, think also about clients, right? So you did mention some of the aspects, but if you were to put together now a list of, uh, let's say, items, solutions, benefits, features, however you want to call them, for a client that launches a new startup. We understood that it's very important to have an MVP or MLP, how it's called now, the minimum lovable product. You have to launch it with the ba most basic features that brings the most value to the customers. And we are guiding our, our clients in finding those and launching the product and then reiterating and improving it. Yeah, yeah, so basically it just needs to validate as fast as possible. That, that's our... So I guess you guys are helping them through tech, so this moves us to our uh, next and last uh, section of the podcast. Um, what is the tech stack that your company currently uses? We are always focusing on the newest technologies that appear on the market. Currently we are using Angular 8 and soon Angular 9 for building frontends. We are using Python with Django frame with the Django framework on, on backend. And for our cloud provider, we are most comfortable with using Google Cloud Platform. And for the mobile applications, we are 
using React Native for building cross-platform mobile application. That's a very big advantage for customers that want to reduce the cost and the time to market because it's lower. But we are also building native applications. Okay, and so you mentioned multiple technologies. Um, what would be the one that you use most, and what was the reasoning behind? How did you decide to focus on that? We we started. I would say we started with all of these. The ones I mentioned are the main technologies we are using, except the native uh, mobile part. We are using React Native, Angular, and and Python. We started with those because we had more experience in these areas. They were just launching. For example, React Native just started in 2015, and as we just opened our company in the next year, we picked up the newest technology because we knew that are, there are not a lot of of players in, in, in that area. And I think the most used one right now is general on backend. Yes. Because we're using it for all of our products, no matter the no matter if they are mobile or web. But we also have other other skills and frameworks that we are using. We are also using uh, Node.js, we are also developing new React for the front end uh, of front end web applications. So how big is your team? Because you're mentioning a lot of technologies. Our team is twenty is twenty eight right now. Okay. Yeah, we're twenty. And what what would be the structure of the team? So the structure of the team is like this: uh, we have a des design team in place of four people. We have uh, the management team, uh, four people, like operational management, and we have uh, one person uh, on research. So basically, she helps us on finding out new. New information regarding markets for our products, for our clients' products, and so on. And we have 19 uh, developers. Okay. And it's I mentioned more technologies because we are pushing everybody to learn more and evolve more. And this is why uh, almost every developer knows not only the technology, the, their main technology, but also another one, the second skill, a second language, programming language that they can use. And uh, because your team is, well, you're expanding it uh, quite quickly, um, what is the, the methodology that you're using in project management within the company and also uh, with your clients? We are using Agile. We are, we are trying to be more focused on using Scrum and we are trying to get our, our clients involved in the process. And we are using the following meetings, like the dailies, every day, as I said previously, we, we get up with the entire team, we said what's, what's going on, trying to disseminate the knowledge. Then we are having an iteration planning where we are setting up what we want to do during the, the sprint, which is usually two weeks. And we are having a final demo where the client is also involved, where he sees what's getting done, what can he use, and what's the pro progress of the application. And after that, we have a retrospective inside the team where we, where we are discussing what went well or what went bad and what we can improve. And for smaller projects, we are using a more dynamic flow. We are using a Kanban, Kanban process where things just go on the fly. New tasks are, tasks are coming. Mm -hmm. We're just adding them. They are being done and then shifted to production. And the client practically has access to this uh, yeah. to this task. Yeah. And the good part is that we're still at a level size in which we can adapt to each of our customers so mm. like if someone wants to to get in touch and see them all every week we do that also if someone wants it rarely because they don't have time we can adapt to that as well and that's one of our advantages right now because we can adapt to different needs of our customers okay um so let's let's do an exercise so i'm an entrepreneur i'm uh, like from us or from germany and I have this crazy idea. I've uh, actually realized that I found the niche. Uh, and I'm coming to you guys through a reference or for, through, through the internet. Uh, but uh, I've practically got nothing else but an idea. What would be the process uh, that you guide me through? I would, I would first ask you, are you interested? Do you know for sure that this is the idea you want to implement? Have you done your market research? If you say yes, then we start from there. If you say no, I'm, I'm telling you, okay. And let's work together a bit to try to find out exactly what you want to build. Like, let's make a survey. Let's find out more about 
is there actually a need because we want to have our cost our the products we deliver for our customers we want them to work on the market we want them to bring actual value to them that would be the first yeah step. first we need to see if we need to go through the product product discovery part if we need if we want to do it uh, firstly on yourself or not if not we need to do it because we're, we're not going to create something that's not needed on the market okay understood so Either I have specs or not, you guys are ready to uh, to start tackling a project. Yes. Okay, understood. Uh, and in terms of, uh, let's say, budget, uh, what do you consider would be a good up, a good budget uh, whenever anyone thinks about, let's say, for example, building a mobile app? Because I know there's a perspective where there's hybrid and there's the native. Uh, how do you how do you suggest that an entrepreneur should think about budget when thinking about let's say building a mobile? So especially when building mobile applications, if you're using a cross-platform development environment like React Native, what we are doing the best, you are reducing your costs with uh, costs with around thirty percent, and also your time to market with thirty percent. And as a budget, I would say people should have in mind that. Mobile applications start from 25, 30, 30k up. If they want to build a great product, and that might not be the initial price, you can develop something with a lower budget. But then, if you want to get the project on the market and be able to address the feedback you get from your customers, that means constantly improving the product and constantly working on it. And this is why, usually, at this question, I'm saying the budget depends on the period of time you want the development to go. Because actually there is... It really depends yeah. on what you want to do. Because a lot of, a lot of uh, the, the entrepreneurs um, might have this impression that you need a budget to develop the application and don't, have, don't calculate what comes after launching the MVP mm -hmm. where actually the real validation comes in and you have to invest money in marketing, you have to invest into market research and all this kind of thing. So practically the big budget comes after launching the MVP if you want to build that, right? How do you present this to your clients? How do you... It's like an iceberg. You see just the part that is in front of you, but you don't see what's underneath. So you, 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 ha you need to keep in mind that to get a product on the market, to get a new mobile app on users' phones, it's going to take a lot of marketing. So it's not just the development that you are doing. You're going to have to pay for the ads. So you need to be aware of that you don't, in order to be able to be successful. Even if you don't have the entire budget, you at least have, need to have some points in time, in time when you are going to look for investment and be aware of those from the beginning. This is where we can come and tell you, from this, this is just the initial development, this is the MVP. Usually the next period of feedback with what you develop, it's at least twice of that because you're constantly improving. And I'm also telling them, if there would be a perfect product, do you think they would have the developers at Facebook or at Instagram? I don't think so. So there's no final ideal product. You're always constantly innovating. That's very nice said. Um, okay, so let's let's move on to last two questions of the uh, of the podcast, and I'd like you to tell me um, first of all, what do you think? What have you seen are the common myths in your industry? Common needs? Meets. I would say the first one is this. You just get the product out there and it's working forever. We just launched our app and it's going to work. But as I said, people are not aware that in order to have a product, you need to constantly work. It's like every other business. You need people working on it constantly and developing it. What about uh, having three developers develop in one uh, third of a time? <laughs> to develop? I would say, I would say not. Yeah, usually in order to have a good product, you need to have a good setup. And by good setup, I mean having that person, that having people that do the development, having people that do the design, having people that do the project management, and having other people testing. And usually why I people think I need one developer to launch an app. No, you need an entire team. You need developers, designers, testers, and managers. And that's because everybody needs to have their own responsibility. If not, you're going to get upset on the developer that he did not test the app. It's not his responsibility. He's a developer. He builds things. You're going to go to the developer and tell him, why didn't you plan this better? He isn't supposed to plan because he's a developer. The project manager should help you assess 
the entire planning. And this is what people is sometimes when we have the first discussions with them, people that have not been that much in touch with the, the technical environment, they are thinking that they need only development. No, they need everything else. There are a lot of things that go into life, for example. What are the myths? Think, uh, yeah. let, 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 let's go into more myths. What would be a, another myth that you think it's lying there on the in, in entrepreneur's mind or in the market? You can launch an app in faster than you want. Like you think about a new crazy idea, okay, one month to go on the market. And, <laughs> and another one is that what I thought about right now, the specs that I have right now is going to be the specs that I'm going to have the final product delivered with. That's never happening. I mean, through the process, you are understanding better the product, and this is why some things change, and your product is going to change too, because you're better understanding how you build this. If you're not technical, you're better understanding how you can put your business knowledge into a technical product. If you are technical, maybe you have some new ideas on the go and you want to change everything. And this is an issue because people usually do something that's called feature overkill. They try to build too much in the beginning and users are baffled by all the options and cannot use the product in the way it was intended to. Another one is the fact that if my family and friends love it, all everyone is going to love it. So there's yeah, that's a very bad one because people are doing the customer research by asking only people around them, people that are biased, people that will say yes, it's a good product. And also they think that if I'm going to do a questionnaire on the suite and asking people, would you use my product, that they are going to ask, uh, say the, the truth, the truth about that. No, they're going to lie. Mom so test. Now, yes, it's the mom test. They're going to say, yes, I'm using it because they're in front of you and they want don't want to get in an argument with you, they don't want to upset you. So they say yes, and then they just walk away and say, okay, I'm using that. Okay, okay. And uh, let's wrap it up with a question that is currently uh, everybody's answering that, asking that, sorry. Um, how did you manage to adapt to this new period that has enforced everyone to move remote? Okay, well, I think we've adapted, uh, adapted quite well, in my opinion. Uh, like the, the first week of work from home, in my, uh, at least in my department, was faster than usual, which was a surprise. Uh, I, I think because people were more structured, we put an emphasis uh, on that right straight away. When we've told people that they can work from home, we already put the process in place. In place, we told them exactly how this should, this will work. We talked about days. We talked about uh, managing our tasks. How important it is that we uh, we still produce the quality of work that we've been producing. And uh, also, the physical side of it, like the personal part of it, we we also adapted. We have uh, exercises in the morning, yoga in the morning. Uh, we have one on one still. Uh, we had happy birthdays, sang uh, in a huge conference and nobody understands nothing, it's, it's a chaos, but it's really fun, it's really fun. We, we still keep in touch, we're still a team, it's still there. We're trying to make everything, as, to not feel the social distancing that's currently imposed. We are trying to make calls, we are trying to always make meetings online, to see the people, to hear their voices, and we are trying to keep them engaged. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm just posting a voice message on our on our group saying there's a new day, let's be hard, let's get let's be healthy, let's work harder. Let's listed this as a moment when we can overcome ourselves and, and better ourselves instead of being I don't know instead of being Yeah, it's yeah. it's really nice that all of us are getting creative and yeah. how we communicate. It's it's a really fun process. And, and I feel that everyone is having fun right now, even through difficult times. The only bad part is that we can't come to the office, be together, and that, that's the only thing that people keep on saying that it's missing. But we're still a team, everything is still working fine, we're still hyped. And I have, I have the opinion that the people have the chance to go inside if they can go outside, and this helps to, for innovation and identifying new uh, skills mm -hmm. and adapting to challenge differently because you're on your own, right? So uh, yeah, I think it's it's gonna be a 
it's going to change how we see a lot of things and how we interact. I would say this entire period is actually pushing pushing companies, pushing people to digitalize. to digitalize more. So for the digital sector, this is a new challenge. You have, you have to handle new new issues like even the internet now. It has to be something. Some things are slowed down on the internet, so it doesn't it doesn't uh, affect affect the speed. So. It's it's interesting. We have video conferencing. Education is do, is is done online. So the educational sector is pushed forward. Also, you have other needs. I think VR and AR will be pushed for, forward as well. Trying to see things in your own home. And for example, I, I would see a watch, and then I would it would just appear on my hand because I'm no longer having that ability to go in the store and test it. And because people, this is a lesson that would help will help us try to evolve in these areas for future yeah future I, yeah I think it's pushing us into the informational age right now yeah. so it's not we can see the half the full glass the half those glass full of it you know yeah okay well hope you guys enjoyed this and uh, looking forward to our next podcast we'll, we'll, we'll select the topic we surely did thank you Valentin okay thanks Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, share and review our podcast because the voice of our community keeps us going forward. Find more episodes and discover different perspectives about tech and business and in our daily life. Thank you.